coming Tuesday is election day. And while there are a whole bunch of people that have already voted, there are going to be a whole bunch more that are going to be voting on Tuesday morning. And then Tuesday night and Wednesday morning, we will wait. One person I know has summarized the entire process as something like this. There are a bunch of people who are going to um, hold their nose and pick what they believe is the lesser of two evils. Some people are going to close their eyes and cast a, a vote down party lines. It doesn't matter who's there. They're just going to choose the party. Then there are going to be people who uh, just abandon their minds. And they're going to uh, vote whomever their friends or the media tell them to vote for. And then there's a, another group that's going to engage their minds. And they're going to vote with their mind, their heart, and their soul, and their conscience. And then finally, there's another group that are just tired of it all. They've thrown up their hands and they're not going to vote at all. They're just done. Our messages in this series, The Choice is Yours, have all led up to this point. Uh, the, the messages have been about choices that we can make. And these choices come from uh, episodes in the life of Jesus based upon the book of Mark. And we've highlighted uh, these things because of the particular choices that uh, Jesus was facing and what you and I also face. The choice to choose to control your anger or be controlled by it. The choice to live in faith or live in fear. The choice to follow Jesus with uh, real faith or fake. These are the choices that are before us. And, 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 it's, and it's difficult because if you say that you follow Jesus and you live in this world, it's hard to do both of those things at the exact same time. It really, really is. Uh, like no other election cycle, certainly I've seen in a number of decades, this particular election is challenging so many people with those choices to be in fear or to have faith, to determine what's real or what's fake. And to control your anger or be controlled by it. It really has been a challenge. And as people try to pin you and me down in one side or another for this candidate or that, it really is a struggle. And what do we do? And we're asking each other and we're concerned. There's a particular situation that Jesus also had to go through. And we find that in the book of Mark. And I want to share that with you. But before I do, I want to give you a little bit of background that's going on. Uh, it's toward the end of Jesus' ministry, and personally speaking, he only has a few days left in his life. In just a little bit, he's going to be arrested, uh, tried, convicted, and executed by death on a cross. That's the personal thing that's going on. Then there uh, is the cultural uh, aspect that's going on. Right now, it's the time of Passover. That's the Jewish holiday where the people celebrate their uh, release from slavery in Egypt thousands of years ago. Uh, everybody is coming to Jerusalem to celebrate. And, and it's reported that during uh, the Passover celebrations of Jesus' time, hundreds of thousands of people would, would come into the city. So uh, it's just jam-packed. And then there's the political circumstances that are present. While the Jewish people are living in their own land, that land is occupied by the Roman government. And there are Roman soldiers everywhere enforcing Roman law and collecting Roman taxes. So there's political tension, there's cultural tension, and for Jesus, there's personal tension. And in the middle of all of this, 
there are some religious and political leaders that approach Jesus and they try to trap him. Jesus has become really, really popular and he's become a threat to them. So they are trying to trap him. They want to pin him down politically. So let's see what happens here. Mark chapter 12, starting at verse 13. Some of the Pharisees and Herodians went to Jesus to catch him in his words. They came to him and said, Teacher, we know that you're a man of integrity. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are, but you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? Should we pay or shouldn't we? Now, I need to stop right there and give you a little bit more background about the particular tax that they are uh, trying to use to trap Jesus in. In this version, it says imperial tax. It's also known as the head tax or the poll tax. You may remember that earlier in Jesus' life, it talks about how the Roman emperor at that time had a census taken throughout the entire empire. And the purpose of those taxes was to find out how many people there were and how you could tax them. Things really haven't changed that much since then. So um, uh, it, it, there's a challenge here. Because if Jesus opposes this tax, then what the leaders can say is that Jesus is inciting rebellion and, and they, can, they can try and have him charged and his ministry is over. On the other hand, if he says that he supports the tax, then all of those people that are following Jesus, those people who are also being uh, suffering because of those taxes, then they get frustrated with Jesus. They leave him and his ministry is over. It's a political uh, trapping in a way that it, it, it's just ruthless. That's really what it is. And, and, and they're trying to trap Jesus in a way so that they ruin his ministry. And they think they've got him. Either way that he answers, his ministry is over. He's done. So let's see how Jesus gets out of this. Verse 15. But Jesus knew their hypocrisy. Why are you trying to trap me? He asked. Bring a denarius and let me look at it. They brought the coin and he asked them, whose image is this? And whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then Jesus said to them, give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. And they were amazed at him. Jesus really doesn't uh, beat around the bush. He calls their bluff right away, but he still gives them an answer. He's not political, really, in any way, shape, or form. So he doesn't avoid the question. He doesn't uh, add, answer a question that they never asked or move on to a topic that he himself wanted to address. That's not what Jesus does. He actually answers the question. He asks them for the very coin that the tax is supposed to be paid with. Jesus doesn't have one. But they do. There's a bit of irony in that if you think about it. He asks whose inscription is on the coin. And it's Caesar's. It's Caesar's picture. And so Jesus uses this coin as an impromptu object lesson. Jesus is reminding them what belongs to whom. It's important. What belongs to whom? It's Caesar's coin. It bears his image. So therefore it belongs to him. What's the point of the image? What is Jesus trying to get at? The point of the image is to honor the one who has the power to make it. 
So I guess that would mean that my next question is this. Whose image is on you? Whose image is on you? The Bible says that God made you in his image. And you and I were made so that we could therefore honor him. Um, Jesus is turning their manufactured political dilemma into nothing more than a simple distinction. It's really that easy. Having heard their answer about the coin, he says then, give to Caesar what's Caesar's. And give to God what's God's. There's really not that much difficulty in it. It was Caesar's money, so the money goes to him. If Jesus then says that we owe taxes to Caesar because the money is his, then what do we owe God? If we owe government our taxes, what do we owe God? Government makes money to be able to uh, place value on goods and services. Uh, In general now, a person's monetary value, as estimated by the government, is for the purpose of taxation. That's really what that's all about. Uh, They tax you and me so that they can provide the services that we say that we want. Now, you and I can have a really healthy discussion, I think, about whether or not we want the services that they say we want or even need. But that's a completely different discussion. The point here is that government determines the value of money so they can determine the value of the services and goods that are provided. We get those services based upon that taxes. So if Jesus says, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and Caesar wants taxes, then what does God want? He wants you. God wants you. He made you so that you and I could want him. We could worship him. It means you and I have value to God, significant value to God. And how do we honor him? How do we worship him? Jesus answers that question too. Just a few verses later, Matthew chapter 12 and verse 30, um, he says this, love the Lord your God, with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. God wants us to love him. That's what we owe God. It's really that simple. It isn't political. It's relational. The political world sees value in what you can do for them. God sees value in who you are to him. Government wants what it wants and uses power to get it. God asks for what he wants and he uses grace to get it. It's a huge difference there. The dilemma that was raised by these leaders when they asked Jesus about this tax was really a false dilemma. It's a common tactic that's used. They set up the definition and then ask for the question. But Jesus isn't falling for it, and neither should you or I. The simple and brilliant answer that Jesus gives lets you and I know that we can worship God and still respect those who govern us. We can actually do both. It's not either or. This is exactly why those who asked Jesus the question were amazed by his answer. 
And that false choice, the one that they tried to give to Jesus, a lot of people are trying to give to you and me today. And the false choice is really, who's your savior? Who is your savior? Is it those that govern us? Or Jesus? That's really the question. Men and women that we vote for, I'm not sure when this started. Some would say it's only been a few decades. I would actually say it's a little bit longer. But the men and women that we choose to elect, we sometimes elect because we we want them to rescue us from the people that we elected the last time. And that's the frustrating part about this. We think they're going to save us. We think they're going to rescue us. But we already have a Savior. I've got news for you. The position of Savior has already been taken. His name is Jesus. And there's not anyone, no politician, no governor, no mayor, no president who can do any better than Jesus. Author Cal Thomas said this, the kingdom of God will not arrive on Air Force One no matter who happens to be on board. If Jesus is not better than your mayor, your governor, your senator, or even your president, then I tell you that you have a pretty weak Savior. And if you're counting on your mayor, your governor, your senator, or your president to do more for you than Jesus has done, then you just told me who your Savior is. I have no idea what's going to happen next week. I have no idea what's going to happen Tuesday night or Wednesday morning, if it's all over with by then. But I know God knows, and I know God's still on the throne, and I want you to remember that. God's gonna, God was there uh, yesterday, he's there today, he's going to be there tomorrow, he's going to be there next week, he's going to be there next year. God's still on the throne. Andy Stanley says this, he said, your favorite candidate will win or lose based upon how people vote in November, but the church will win or lose based upon how we behave both before and after. Are you and I going to live in faith or in fear? Are we going to control our anger or be controlled by it? Are we going to be real followers of Jesus or fake? People who follow Jesus can choose people to govern them because they already have a Savior. And how do you follow Jesus and live in this world at the exact same time? Peter, who followed Jesus and lived in the world, said this, For the Lord's sake, submit to all human authority, whether the king is head of the state or the officials he's appointed. For the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honor those who do right. It is God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. For you are free, yet you are God's slaves. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Respect everyone and love the family of believers. Fear God and respect the king. That is the best political advice you will ever hear. God doesn't want your vote. He wants you. God chose you 
Are you going to choose him? God, thank you so much for choosing us. Thank you so much for making us. God, you've made us in your image, and we want to love you and honor you. But in our effort to love you and honor you, this world, it's so hard to do that. It's so hard because we're afraid. It's so hard because we get angry. It's so hard because there are times that we feel strong and follow you and, and our faith is real. And then there are times that we feel weak and we give up and people can see that we're fake. God, we want to follow you because we know that you'll bless that. But more importantly, we want to follow you because we know when people see how good you are and what you've done in our lives that they will want to follow you as well. God, be with our nation. There are so many people that are afraid. There are so many people that are angry. Help us, God. Work through us to bring your peace to them. Work through us to bring faith to them. God, help us to be your light in this world. This is our prayer in Jesus' name, who is our Savior. Amen.